Hi guys, welcome back to the No Such Thing as TMI podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sabrina Baxter, pelvic floor physical therapist. And today I have Jen Sino on the podcast. I know everyone is very excited to hear what she has to say and pick her brain. Jen is a certified personal trainer and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner who specializes in gut, hormone, and women's health. She runs a six month program called fit and functional and has worked with hundreds of women worldwide, helping them regain confidence with their bodies through food, fitness, and functional lab testing. Jen, welcome to the No Such Thing as TMI podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course, of course. So I, you have a very interesting story. You were vegan, you were on birth control, which I feel like, how old are you? I'm 31 in like four days. Oh, happy almost birthday. Okay. So I'm 26. And I feel like when we were in high school, that was like the trend was being vegan and being on birth control. So I feel like you're going to have a lot to say, especially because now you're the complete opposite. So let's hear about like your story and why you started fit and functional. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So definitely. Um, okay. I'll, I'll take you back, but I was going to say definitely a little bit of the trendy things, uh, through my early twenties for sure, I guess in my teens as well, but, um, essentially the long, the, the long and short of it is when I was 14 years old. So I was in grade nine. Um, I had really, really heavy and really painful periods And I basically begged my mother (laughs) to put me on the pill, to bring me to the doctor, to get the pill. Now I had heard obviously that it had helped those issues, but there was definitely like a social element to it as well. You know, a lot of my friends were on birth control and it's like almost one of those things, you know, when you're in elementary school and you like the first, your first friend buys, buys the bra (laughs) and then you're like, we all need bras. We all need to be women. I feel like the same thing kind of happened with birth control. So anyways, my mom, my mom ended up, you know, giving in. I I do remember like asking quite a few times and she gave in, brought me to the doctor. You know, I don't remember ever getting any info about periods or birth control or anything. They just gave me a prescription and I went on my way. And I took the pill, I switched, I was on Yasmin first, and then I switched over to, I think it was tricyclin. Um, I can't even remember why I had switched, but I was having some sort of side effects um, around the time I was like 17, 18, switched over. And then um, I stayed on the pill for seven years without any break. Um, I quit cold turkey when I was 21 because I had given myself, thank goodness, I gave myself this seven year kind of timeline of, of how long I was going to let myself stay on birth control. Someone had told me that after seven years, your risk of like infertility is doubled or something. I like, obviously that's just a random statistic that probably isn't even true. Uh, but scared you enough to be like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 21 full stop. Yeah. And like, uh, again, thank goodness someone said that to me because I probably would have stayed on so much longer, but I quit cold Turkey And almost right away, I started experiencing the side effects of quitting cold turkey. Um, I mean, I had a lot of inflammation. Like I look back at photos of me as a teenager. I played like competitive ice hockey. I was very athletic, Um, you know, played for the high school team. I was definitely not inactive or anything like that. And I just looked back and I was so inflamed. And then I had really, really, really bad digestive issues too, which I mean, you know, when you're in your 
your teens, you're not really thinking about it too much. Um, I definitely didn't have the best lifestyle either. I was like a little partier. Um, but after I quit, I started getting like really intense hair loss. Um, I was breaking out on my face, which I had never had acne before. Um, my digestive issues just seemed to get worse and worse and worse. I had high grade cervical dysplasia. I had ovarian cysts. I had all the things I was diagnosed with non, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease when I was 24. Yeah. I like went, I was, I went through the ringer with it. And, um, of course at the time I had no idea that that was why, or how that could be playing into it. And I, feel like my issues- so, I feel like that's so overwhelming as like such a young girl to be getting all these diagnoses when you think that you're quote unquote, like a healthy individual. Oh, a hundred percent. Right. And I mean, my mom's a nurse, so everything that I knew growing up was very medical. Um, you know, you have a headache to take an Advil. It's not like, Oh, did you drink water? Are you dehydrated type thing? And so it was always just going for another pill and around the same ish time, I would say when I was about 1920 is when I really started getting into fitness as well and kind of going down more of like the alternative holistic route. Like I started, I remember I started getting into like essential oils and like the fitness supplements. And I know the fitness supplements aren't healthy, but at least it was something other than pills. Right. And, um, I, I spent a lot of years, like I spent all of my twenties pretty much like trying to figure out how to kind of cure like my severe, severe constipation, my never ending bloating, my skin, my hair loss. And I, I mean, I have a science degree, so it kind of, it kind of worked out well because I would just research everything, but yeah, it was really overwhelming. Like you said, I was vegan. I was vegetarian. I was trying all the things. The only thing I never tried was keto. Thank God. But yeah, I feel like honestly how, how great things happen. Like, look at you now, like you are helping so many people because you went through all of that. And now you know how to, like, you figured out yourself, like you were your own guinea pig. Like you figured out how to navigate all your symptoms. And now you help other people navigate theirs. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think like that is a really important piece. Cause I do find that I find a lot of women can feel like they relate to me and I'm not just, you know, a doctor like shouting orders right. <laughs> to you for like with no, no good reason, really. Right. Um, I definitely understand a lot of what my clients are going through, which yeah. is and helpful. I- I feel like, like Western medicine obviously has its place, but I feel like for people that are generally pretty healthy, but they're experiencing these symptoms that really are coming back with no real concrete answers. That's when it's like, you know, you can't just have blanket statements like, oh, go on this medication or go on this medication, do this because it really is such an individualized process. Yeah, I I totally agree. And as much as you know, we, (laughs) we like to point the finger at doctors, you're right. Like it totally has its place. If I get in a car accident, absolutely. I want a doctor to help me. If I, you know, God forbid, have a heart attack or something like that. Yes. I want Western medicine to help me, but for these more chronic issues, um, I, I agree that, you know, we kind of have to look more into root cause and not just like slap a pill as a bandaid over a symptom. Because again, for years, I would literally go to the bathroom once every seven to 10 days. 
And it was awful. And all I was ever given was Restorelax or some sort of laxative. Like they ended up giving me a prescription laxative that you can't even get like over the counter because it was so severe. But you know, my, my constipation is not a petroleum based laxative deficiency. <laughs> like something else is going on. Right. Oh my gosh. I get patients all the time. Cause I work a lot with bowel dysfunction, like a big diagnosis that gets sent to me is dysenergic defecation, which essentially means like your pelvic floor muscles close, like your sphincter closes when poop is trying to come out. And it, it, it sometimes people experience incontinence too, but for the most part, it's like shutting when poop's coming out. So everyone's like, oh yeah, my muscles just aren't working. And then I work up the chain and I'm like, okay, well, let's look at obviously your diet, your lifestyle, all these different factors. And I actually refer so many to get functional lab testing. I'm like, I'm like, I have to educate everyone. Like, listen, these tests that they're running on you, like are not telling you anything. Like you don't even know what's in your gut. Like you could have like yeast overgrowth. You could have like, like who knows what's in your gut, but um, yeah, it's just like, so, so crazy. And, um, I forgot why I was going to say something, but, uh, oh, oh, they're all on Metamucil. They're all on all these like medications. And I'm like, I, a Miralax everyone's on Miralax. And I'm like, listen, when I first got the job, a pelvic floor therapist was like, when they when a patient's on, cause I work in a hospital. So they're like, when a patient's on constipation medications, like don't take them, like, don't tell them to not take their medication. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell someone not to take their medication, but I'm going to help them wean off of it because this is doing no good for their gut or for their bowels. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's wild. It's wild. Like I remember again, I used to go to the doctors all the time complaining about my stomach, my stomach hurt. I was bloated. I was constipated. Not once did he ask about my diet. Not once did he ask if I'm dehydrated at that time as well. Like I said, I was a huge partier when I was younger. So it was like, how much alcohol are you drinking? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, here's some peg flex or whatever it's called peg flex. I don't even remember. Um, and then would just send, just send me on my way. And I remember one time I brought my mom with me because my doctor just wouldn't listen to me. He, you know, I, I definitely feel like there was a little bit of, oh, you're thin, you you're young, you're active, you're fine type thing going on. And, I, I remember I, I dragged my mom to the appointment with me because I was like, you need to tell him because he's just not listening to me. And she said, like, can you send her to get to a gastro? Like, obviously something is very wrong here. And I, I re distinctly remember this moment. I think I was like maybe 22, 23. And he looked at me and he's like, I kind of need a reason to send you to a GI specialist. I was like, oh my God, I'm like in debilitating pain every single day because I can't poo. <laughs> like that's, yeah. I, I feel like that's not asking a lot. <laughs> just right. no, poo. It's, it's just not a preventative. Like we don't live in a preventative like world, unfortunately, but yeah, um, like I went to get blood work done the other day and I was listening to a podcast. Um, it was like Dr. Rondon Huberman, whatever Huberman lab, whatever. But she was saying how important your omega three index is or your omega like six to three ratio, whatever. And she was talking about how to get omega three tested, like the percentage tested. And I went to my doctor and I'm like, I'd like to get this done in my lab work. And she's like, well, unless you've had a history of like heart attack in the family, I can't like insurance is not going to authorize this. They're not going to pay for it. And I'm like, okay, like then like, should I be praying that someone in my family gets a heart attack so I can check this yeah. out and make sure I'm okay? Like that's so messed up. 
Yeah, I know. I've had, I've had that happen with clients actually, when I send them off now, I just get the requisites, but I used to send clients off for thyroid testing and they would only test TSH and same thing. They'd be like, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna test your antibodies unless you're already hypothyroid. It's like, well, if you catch antibodies, five to seven years before you can actually help like stop hypothyroidism in its tracks, but okay, let's just wait until the problem's already here and 10 times harder to resolve. And yeah. then you'll order the test. Like it is really, really crazy how, um, like testing and stuff in, in traditional medicine kind of works and functions. It It's totally reactive. It's not proactive. It's like you so said, reactive, so reactive. Well, Speaking of reactive, let's talk about PCOS because I feel like PCOS is a very reactive diagnosis. Um, when you see people with PCOS, oh, first of all, like when do we start to see imbalances with PCOS and like, what are these imbalances? Yeah. So PCOS is so, so common now. Um, but I also do see it get misdiagnosed quite a lot. Um, you know, a lot of doctors are diagnosing PCOS through just ultrasound. They see cysts on the ovaries. That's not actually what it is. Um, in PCOS specifically, it's actually follicles, not ovarian cysts. And so again, it's kind of confusing because the name is polycystic ovarian syndrome, but it's not actually true ovarian cysts. Um, and so I see a lot of women get misdiagnosed this way and then they go down the rabbit hole. And before we even get into this, um, obviously it's a very important topic, but I do want to say like, if you're listening to this, try not to get super tied to a diagnosis or a name because at the root of pretty much everything is, you know, metabolic dysfunction is some sort of chronic stress and a lot of how you can kind of, you know, manage PCOS versus say endometriosis, as an example, a lot of it is actually doing the same work. It's just a different way that those symptoms have manifested or that root cause has manifested in different types of symptoms. So I wanted to say that because I do find a lot of women, I mean, rightfully so, right? It's 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 almost like this catch-22. They finally have an answer for the symptoms that they've been experiencing, but then they also get so tied to it that they can't they can't let go of that diagnosis and they, it almost becomes an identity for them. Um, and it's hard for them to like look past what's actually going on underneath. So Anywho, with PCOS, like I said, commonly misdiagnosed, um, but what we see here in order to actually get a proper diagnosis, you need two of the three following symptoms. So you need high androgens confirmed by hormone testing. Um, so androgens are your male hormones like testosterone, like DHEA. Um, you also need either irregular periods or anovulation or those symptoms of um, excess androgens, right? Like acne, um, you know, facial hair, things like that. Um, and then the third is that ultrasound, uh, showing those, those follicles. So again, a lot of, a lot of women get misdiagnosed. They have an ultrasound and then, oh, you have PC, you have PCOS. Right. Um, and then they kind of go about it the wrong way. But anyways, with PCOS, it's very, very, very common. Now I see it in teenagers, um, which is pretty scary. I see it in women in their twenties and their thirties. And, um, there's a couple different kind of factors underlying, but you know what? I, I always tell my clients, the root cause of everything is chronic stress. And a lot of people think of chronic stress as, you know, mental, emotional stress, which of course is very, very important, especially over the last, you know, two and a half years, a lot of us were not all of us were under, um, 
extreme <laughs> mental and emotional stress, but, but you know, stress can be gut pathogens. It can be gut infections. It can be liver dysfunction. It can be, you know, um, inflammatory diets. It can be a poor sleep pattern. There's so many different ways that stress manifests. And before you ever kind of go on a healing journey, especially when you have that diagnosis, I always say, take a step back and think about what stressors you're actually under, because you can give yourself so many of the answers that we try to seek externally. Um, and a lot of the answers actually can be given by yourself just by kind of going introspectively. I don't even remember what you asked me now. Cause I kind of, oh, you know, you're on, you're perfect. I was going to follow up with that and be like, what are some of these chronic stressors that you see people have? Yeah. So like I said, I mean, with PCOS specifically, um, a lot of the times it's inflammation that is driving, um, driving the symptoms, driving the excess androgens. So there's a, a couple different types of PCOS. So there is insulin resistant PCOS, um, which is, you know, you know, part of that kind of metabolic syndrome type symptoms where women are having blood sugar issues and they can't control their weight. And it seems like everything's kind of, um, just domino affecting for them. And 70, about 70% of women with PCOS have insulin resistant PCOS. Um, then we have inflammatory PCOS. So I often see inflammation driving androgens kind of down the wrong liver pathway, which makes them more androgenic, which again, if they're more androgenic, then they are causing, you know, they can cause anovulation, they can cause acne, hair loss, those types of things. Um, there is adrenal PCOS, which is uh, typically elevated DHEAS, which is a, it's an androgenic steroid hormone as well, but it is um, closely linked to your stress levels. And then the last one is post pill PCOS, which I actually see happen quite often. So again, kind of same thing as me, you know, you quit birth control, you don't really prep your body. You're unaware of all the side effects it's been having in terms of, you know, the, the, the gut side effects, um, the nutrient depletion, the mineral depletion, all those types of things. They quit or they quit the pill. Um, and then androgen rebound happens. And that usually happens about three to four months down the line, because, um, again, their, their body kind of recognizes like, Hey, there's not enough testosterone here. The pill was just pulling it out for five years, which is why your sex drive went to shit. And, um, you know, again, your brain kind of recognizes after like, Oh God, there's, there's not enough testosterone here, right? Your sex hormone binding globulin is too high. And so it kind of overcompensates and it starts um, driving up androgen production to make up for it, which is a very simplified way of describing it. And then, like I said, those, those PCOS type symptoms start coming out like the acne, the hair loss, the facial hair growth, um, the missed periods or the really irregular periods, which of course is usually due to not ovulating, um, after coming off the pill. Oh my God. I have so many follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So four different types of PCOS, 70% of people typically have insulin resistant PCOS. How can, if someone falls under that category, what are ways that people can manage their, obviously this is obviously, if you're listening to this, you have an individualized treatment. So this is just like, you know, we're just talking basic ways to support your health and your metabolism and your blood sugar and yada, yada, yada. So if you fall under the insulin resistant type of PCOS, how are ways that you can support your blood sugar and your insulin? Yeah, this is such a good question. I think this is like so relevant to every woman, because again, like regardless of PCOS, 
um, because so many women I work with and myself included, and I'm like, so interested to, to hear if you resonate with this as well, or maybe you did in the past, but I had such bad blood sugar regulation because I was intermittent fasting, right? Which is just no offense, a fancy way of saying you're skipping meals. I was intermittent fasting. I was, you know, having my coffee on an empty stomach every day. I was having multiple coffees um, throughout the day. And I just wasn't managing my blood sugar manually at all. And one of the best ways we manage our blood sugar is by eating and eating regularly and eating high bioavailable protein with our, our meals. Right. So again, of course I was vegan. I was intermittent fasting, my poor thyroid, no wonder I have Hashimoto's and hypothyroid now. I laugh because if I don't, I cry. Um, <laughs> but honestly, it's the most simple thing to do. And most women are just in this chronic state of stress where their hunger cues have turned off. Right. And they just say, Oh my gosh, I'm so good at intermittent fasting. No, you just have completely shut down your metabolism and your body isn't hungry anymore. But the best way, like I said, is to regularly eat, have that high protein, um, source with every single meal, eat breakfast within 60 minutes of waking, don't drink coffee on an empty stomach for the longest time as well. And I know you want to talk about progesterone, but for the longest time as well, I would like identify myself as having anxiety, um, especially actually while I was building my business in like early 2020. And as I started to like, obviously understand my body better and understand health better in general, I realized that my anxiety was actually just low blood sugar because it would, you know, 10 AM would roll around and like clockwork, I would start getting anxious. I'd get jittery. I'd get a little bit lightheaded. And then I'd snowball my thoughts and think, why am I anxious? I have no reason to be anxious about and I would just keep going. And then I was realizing, oh, I haven't eaten breakfast yet. Like I haven't eaten since last night. My blood sugar is dropping and low blood sugar feels a lot like anxiety. So that's a whole other thing we can talk about, but it really is just managing, like managing your blood sugar can be one of the easiest things to do because you are in such, you have so much power over doing that yourself. Like we don't really have to rely on external things to help us manage our blood sugar. It's just eating, eating well, eating high protein, um, and those types of things. Have you ever heard of the glucose goddess on Instagram? Yes. I love her. Okay. I was going to say, because I got her book and, um, I think like there's some things that she talks about in her book and I'm like, eh, well, I really wouldn't eat that, but I like how she, her message is that like, however you eat, just try to eat this way to manage your blood sugar. Cause I'm like, that's, that's so important because that reaches such like a wider population, you know, but she says like, you need to eat, you should eat your vegetables first, then your, like your high quality protein and then your starches so that you can, you can reduce like a big sugar spike. Yes. I love that. Actually. I teach a lot of kind of her methodologies to my clients as well. And I will say like, that is really, really important, but at the same time too, it's like, where can we start that feels manageable for the girl who hasn't been eating, right? Who has been skipping breakfast or is so caught up in her business that she's skipping meals. She's not like, it comes to 2 PM. She hasn't eaten anything. She's chugging coffee. Like where can we start there? And yes, we can start with eating earlier. Right. And sometimes Jessica Ash is another one that I love. And she always says the only way out is through sometimes. And I think that's so 
powerful because really a lot of clients again are like, well, I'm not hungry in the morning. It's like, well, you've got to eat. Like there's no way around it. And I'm not saying go eat like a five course meal, but, you know, start with having a tiny pot of yogurt or something, you know what I mean? Like start, start somewhere and slowly train your body to recognize like, Hey, it's morning. It's time to be hungry again. And it will happen over time. And then, yeah, as we have like nailed down the meal timing, we've nailed down the breakfast, we've nailed down, you know, keeping your coffee intake to one a day, then we can go into, let's start with a veggie starter right and then let's start with a veggie starter and some protein and like get into that but yeah she has some she has some really really great tips but I think it's so important that women just kind of meet themselves where they're at and not try and do everything at once because it gets really overwhelming also it's just I I feel like the whole intermittent fasting thing is just such a trend like I do see how it can benefit let's be real it really benefits like men more than it benefits women but especially benefits it doesn't benefit premenopausal women. Like I've seen research studies where it can be helpful, like postmenopausal, but premenopausal when you're, when you're so cyclical, like this intermittent fasting every single day is doing way more harm than good. hundred percent agreed. And you're spot on. Uh, a lot of studies have shown those benefits, like you said, with postmenopausal women and with men or male mice, but for someone like you and I, right. Where we have this whole extra, um, like organ system functioning and needing nutrients consistently, right. With our, with our reproductive system, it's just not, it just doesn't make sense. Right. Not to mention how your liver needs, you know, adequate amounts of carbs and proteins to even convert your thyroid. And so many women are dealing with thyroid issues. And, um, anytime it's so funny, anytime I post about certain things like birth control is one of them, uh, but intermittent fasting is another where women get so triggered on Instagram and they're just like (laughs) ripping me apart and like sending me nasty messages. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, I'm sorry. You're so offended that I've told you to eat. (laughs) It's actually crazy. Like how much hate you and Illy both like you guys. And you're just, you're literally just spitting facts. And I think, and I mean, luckily like your accounts are up and they're staying up. But like when I was, when I was posting about just literally how sugar could be a driver for yeast infection, I was getting so much hate. And I, then my account got taken down twice and I was like, oh you know God. what? I'm just going to play it safe and not try to ruffle anyone's feathers because I need this account to stay up this time. <laughs> I know. I know it's scary. It's scary because really anyone can kind of report your account if they're like annoyed with you enough. Um, so I just try to not engage too much. I'll just restrict people. So yeah, I don't even think I they do know. Yeah, oh I'm God. like, you can I'll- just talk you could just talk to yourself. It's fine. Yeah. And I'll just, I don't even care. I'll block. Like if you're yeah. any bad vibes, I'll block. Yeah. So will I now. Um, but it, it really is crazy how, how triggered women get about the intermittent fasting thing. And it's just, and so many women will be like, well, I feel amazing on intermittent fasting. I'm like, yeah. Cause you're running on adrenaline. Like, of course, adrenaline feels good until it doesn't, you know, two right. years down the line where all of a sudden you gain 30 pounds, you're exhausted. You can't drag your ass out of bed. You're relying on coffee because you've just completely shot your adrenals. You've thought you've shot your thyroid. Um, your body has no hunger cues. You know, the best way to kill your metabolism is to starve it. And so it's really interesting when it's all like, I feel so good. Well then keep doing what you're doing. If you're not open to seeing a different perspective, then you have the power to keep doing that. And that's not, that's none of my business. Yeah, I know. That's like the biggest thing with social media is that people just get, they take everything so personal. Like if it doesn't resonate with you, then just move the fuck on. 
Oh, I, I agree. I've had that conversation <laughs> with so many, like, I, I hate to give you a reality check princess, but like, I didn't create my Instagram for you. <laughs> right. Right. Literally. Not everything's going to land and that's okay. Even though everything that, and ev- not everything that you post is like red, like it's not my life, but I love to learn about it. Like I like the perspective. I love learning about what you have to say, even though every, like not every symptom you post about is going to be relative like to my life. So like, right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's fine. Um, the more, the more you, I guess, get exposed to it, the more you understand. And it's funny too. Um, I have this conversation sometimes with, you know, my friends, but you know, running functional labs has been such a game changer with the amount of grace I have with people too, uh, because it's literal data. And right. I'll, I'll be like, like if someone's like acting a fool on Instagram and coming at me, I'm like, oh, it's fine. She's probably copper toxic. It's not her fault. <laughs> But it really does give you this perspective. Like a lot of people act out of these crazy emotions. And I'm like, you know, you're not actually like that. There's something going on that's a little off balance and it's probably not really your fault and you don't understand. And I'm going to practice grace because, you know, obviously something's going on or else you wouldn't be this freaking triggered over an Instagram post. Just FDNP things. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Okay. So when I, so my, like I got diagnosed quote unquote diagnosed with PCOS back in like 2016 and they diagnosed me from finding follicles on my ovaries, but I didn't have high testosterone, but I had like hormonal acne and, you know, chin hairs. I had like some, like some, like, Oh, I would have like a long nipple hair here and there, like a long belly hair. Um, but it was very inconsistent. Like I didn't have I know, and this is like another thing too, is that you, you don't have to be overweight to have PCOS. Like you don't have to have all these like very dramatic symptoms to have PCOS or to have symptoms of like high androgens or whatever. But one thing, like when I was diagnosed and I was getting, I also had irregular cycles, but whatever. So I like loved the fact that I had irregular cycles because I was so uneducated on how important having regular cycles are, I was like, this is great. I never get my period. Like, I don't even know when I'm ovulating. Perfect. Like I'm not going to get pregnant. Um, I was also on birth control too, but, um, well, no, this is when I wasn't on birth control and this is how I was. But what I want to talk about is why there's this huge misconception that ovulation is just for making a baby. And I want you to break that down because it's for so much more. I've read that it's just for bone health, like cognitive health. Like it's, it adds, I read that it adds years to your bank when you are menopausal, like it literally adds years to your health. And I want to talk about why ovulation is so, so important. And then we can get into why having a period and not a fake bleed because the birth control pill causes a fake bleed. Like why I want to talk about like why a period is so important too. Yeah. So, okay. Great question. I love ovulation as well. And a lot of women, like you said, don't realize the importance of it. And it's actually kind of the focal point of our menstrual cycle. A lot of, again, a lot of women are just focusing on, Oh, a period it's regular and it maybe doesn't hurt, but we actually want to focus more on ovulation. And if you have a healthy ovulation, you'll most likely have a healthy period as well. Um, and with ovulation, ovulation is the only way that we will produce adequate amounts of progesterone as a premenopausal woman. And to your point, um, for menopausal women, a lot of our menopausal symptoms or the way we experience menopause has a lot to do with the health of our 
um, reproductive years, right? So if you took care of your hormones in your reproductive years, you will typically have a much smoother transition into menopause too. So it's not, again, just one of those things where I'm, I don't want to have a kid. So I'm going to take birth control for 30 years and then I'm going to come off on a menopausal and everything's going to be Gucci. It's usually not. Um, so with ovulation, like I said, that is the main way that we produce progesterone. And for those of you who don't know, progesterone is kind of like that counterbalance to estrogen. So just like cortisol and DHEA balance each other out, estrogen and progesterone do. And so when we don't have enough progesterone production because either we're not ovulating or we're on the pill, which the pill's whole point is to not ovulate. Um, same with the IUD, you know, progestin is not the same as progesterone. And a lot of women will stop ovulating on the IUD as well because of the stress it induces and the inflammation, but progesterone like I said, counterbalances that estrogen. If we don't have enough progesterone, then we are estrogen dominant, whether we have high estrogen or not estrogen dominance is just that balance between progesterone and estrogen. Now, if you're estrogen dominant, you're probably going to have symptoms like mood swings, sore boobs, um, you know, heavy, painful periods, possibly waking constipation. I see migraines and headaches a lot with estrogen. And so just on that alone, it's really important that we have enough progesterone to to counterbalance that estrogen. Now, progesterone on its own is like my favorite hormone because it has so many amazing benefits that are just wildly under talked about or underappreciated, I should say. So first with anxiety, it is our relaxing hormone. It's our calming hormone. And like I said, when I, you know, identified as someone who had anxiety and I would really kind of like snowball off that not only was my, my blood sugar on a roller coaster ride, cause I was skipping breakfast and all those things that we talked about, but, um, I actually had hormone tests done and my progesterone was really, really low, which was shocking to me. And I used to get like clockwork, really bad anxiety about three days out from my period. Um, because your progesterone drops at that time. So if you're not producing adequate amount of progesterone, you're probably going to be anxious. You're probably going to be irritable. Um, you probably won't sleep very well, right? A lot of women, again, without progesterone will have like insomnia and stuff like that, which again, we can kind of, um, link that to postmenopausal, right? Postmenopausal, you're not ovulating anymore. So you're not producing progesterone. A lot of women will have hot flashes and sleep problems and all that type of stuff. Um, progesterone will also help with any symptoms of PMS, of course, because of how it counterbalances and keeps that estrogen in check. Um, really good for inflammation, good for joint pain. <laughs> like there's so many amazing benefits of progesterone that are wildly separate from whether or not you want to get pregnant. Um, and so again, we all should be striving for a very healthy and robust ovulation. Even if you're done having kids, even if you never want to have kids, even if you want to have kids in five years, that should be one of the things we're really, really focusing on because we cannot be optimally healthy if we are not ovulating consistently in our reproductive years. Yeah, that's a lot of good info. And okay, so 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 you can have your blood work can say that like let's say your estrogen and progesterone are normal, but you can actually be estrogen dominant. Yeah. So um firstly, I probably I mean blood work is a little bit iffy as well because first of all, sometimes you know, doctors get um I should I should say order blood work, but 
doctors take blood work on the wrong days of the cycle. So it's not a true indicator of what that, um, I got mine done on my period and everything was low. Well, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. that's kind of what's supposed to happen. <laughs> um, that withdrawing hormones, right? That drop in hormones is what triggers your period. So our hormones are lowest on our period. So that makes total sense. Yeah. And then um, I also passed out and you were like, stop using castor oil. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, anyways, bl- blood, blood work is just hormones in transit, right? So it's not always super accurate because it's going to be influenced by like how much coffee you drink that morning or like what your situation is. I much prefer like the Dutch test. So it, it tests u- uh, through urine and it's metabolites. Um, and even saliva tests can be good for certain hormones as well. But, um, Yeah. So we basically, you can have normal estrogen and really low progesterone if you're not ovulating or you're just not producing a lot of progesterone through ovulation. And you'll have those symptoms of estrogen dominance. And this is where this is a whole other rabbit hole we can get down. But this is where I see a lot of women, again, try and self-treat. And I love the optimism or the enthusiasm to, you know, get on natural supplements and stuff like that. But I have worked with a lot of women who end up taking something like dim, um, which lowers your estrogen because they see on Instagram, Oh, look, all these estrogen dominant symptoms. I must have too high of estrogen. They take dim and then their estrogen completely goes into the basement. And now they have low estrogen and progesterone. So again, that estrogen dominance is not actually high estrogen. It can be, but it's high estrogen in comparison to progesterone. And so if you have low progesterone, do you like, do you find ways to increase that progesterone or is the way that you increase it, increase it by, um, like detoxing estrogen? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, it can be both depending on what, um, what's actually going on. Like if you have high estrogen, it's obviously really important that you're working on those detox pathways and supporting your liver and, reducing, you know, those estrogen mimicking chemicals and stuff like that. Um, but the best way to create more progesterone naturally is to ovulate consistently, right? So again, ditching the birth control, that's going to be preventing ovulation in a lot of cases. Um, I see over-exercising a lot as a result. I see under eating, which a lot of women are under eating and they don't realize it. Yeah. Um, because again, their, their metabolism and their appetite has been so suppressed from chronic dieting or cal, uh, low calorie diets that they don't even realize that they're under eating, um, or the extent of it. Um, I see a lot of chronic stress. If we think about, I could talk about ovulation all day. (laughs) If we think about ovulation from a very biological, like primitive perspective, the point of ovulation is to create a baby, whether you want to have a baby or not is irregardless of that fact, right? We ovulate so that we can conceive. Now, if you think about the environment in which your body would want to conceive in, that again, can give us a lot of answers. So your body is going to protect you first and foremost. And a lot of women, again, feel shame or they're mad at their bodies if they're not ovulating consistently or they've lost their period, but your body's actually trying to protect you. It's trying to conserve that energy because it's not getting it 
otherwise, right? If we think about creating a baby, a baby does not want to be created in a toxic environment. It doesn't want to be created uh, or grown in, in an environment where the mom's not eating enough or she's dehydrated or she's over exercising or she's stressed as hell because she's in a toxic relationship or Um, She never stops working or, you know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at? So when we think of ovulation from a very basic perspective, it is what is the environment in which a child can grow and flourish, right? And then you can kind of break down everything else. Well, why am I not ovulating? Well, are are you eating enough? Are you over-exercising? Are you not managing your stress? Are you working, say, in a chemical factory (laughs) or, you know, on a farm. I see that a lot. I see women who live near golf courses and farms or even work on farms and they're around pesticides all the time, right? These, these things are not safe or conducive to growing a child. So that is really the layers we want to peel back. And again, a lot of people will look to external sources, like someone like you or I to say like, why am I not ovulating? Or why is my progesterone low? It's well, I don't live in your shoes. And if you take five, five minutes to actually sit down, quiet your mind and think about what your lifestyle is like, think about what your stress levels are like, your gut health, your liver health, your diet, you actually will probably have a lot more answers than, than I would for you. Yeah. I think that's a big, at least like for me, that was a big wake up call. I was like, I just need to for, okay. So I think that I have low progesterone just based off what you were saying, like lately, well, I came off of the IUD less than two months ago. So I kind of knew that my body was going to be a little out of whack. I'm actually getting a Dutch test done when I come back from Europe end of September, just to get more concrete answers and kind of give my body some time just to like be off the, be off the hormonal birth control. But I, all of a sudden, like I don't, I used to be like religious seven to eight hours sleeping. Like I was never a high anxiety person. And like lately my anxiety has been through the roof for, I don't even know what, like, I don't even know, like everything in my life is quote unquote fine. (laughs) So, and then on top of that, I'm not sleeping. Like I just don't sleep. And it's, it's crazy to me. I'm like, I get stressed out about, and I got the aura ring for that reason. we were just talking about the aura ring, but, um, I literally last night, I couldn't go to bed till two 30 in the morning. And I was like, fuck this. I took off my O-ring because it stresses me out seeing the red light. And I'm like, I, I know I'm not sleeping, but I'm supposed to be sleeping. Like I can't be wearing this right now. Yeah, I know. And like I said, it's so easy to snowball your thoughts. And then I used to actually sleep really, really badly. Now that you mentioned that, that was one of my big things. I used to say like, I could probably solve world hunger by like my train of thought before sleep (laughs) because I would be laying there and then I'd get anxiety about, oh my gosh, I only like, I have to be up in six hours. Oh my God, I have to be up in five hours. And it just like, complete like I I totally feel for you but I'm interested I'm super excited to see what your Dutch test comes back like um and I mean even like you you need to you have to really sit with yourself and you have to ask yourself where am I supporting myself and my hormones and you know my like everything and then where am I not supporting like where can I be better and obviously it can be overwhelming because no one wants to change their diet. No one wants to change their lifestyle. No one wants to get out of a shitty relationship. Like you, you, that takes effort, right. And not everyone's on in their journey where they're willing to invest their time and their money. And they're just willing to put in the effort to do that. But once you do, it is such a game changer. And the way that you view yourself and the people around you in your life as a whole, just completely changes. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And as well, again, it's like a good reminder to kind of meet yourself where you're at because 
course I do, you know, a lot of functional lab testing. We look really deep into gut health and mineral status and all these things. And I have women coming to me on Instagram all the time. And they're like, well, I eat clean and I exercise and I still have X, Y, Z symptoms. Right. And for that person, that's the point where, yeah, maybe the next step is getting labs done and actually looking at the data because the foundations are eating well, exercising, managing your stress, like getting good sleep, which obviously, I mean, I know your sleep sucks right now, but I know you eat well. I know you move your body. Like I know, you know, all these things and I know you do all these things. So that natural next step is you know, to get those labs done and to get the concrete data. Whereas someone who might not be exercising or not even thinking about the food they're putting in their mouth, like that person needs to start with, Hey, for the next month, I'm going to focus on eating breakfast, or I'm going to focus on not drinking coffee on an empty stomach. Right. And slowly kind of build that foundation. Cause it's just as important as getting the labs done and all those types of things. So, um, yeah, I I'm like really, really excited for you because again, you've got that foundation built, but it's going to give you so much, so much insight into what might be off. Yeah, this is, and I like just, I, honestly, most of my inspiration for going, like taking this to the next step is, is you like just following you and just seeing, I love when you do the lab testing on your stories and you give like examples of what the Dutch test looks like. And you go through different, you know, it's so interesting to me and you explain things so well, like if you don't follow Jen and watch her stories about lab testing, you're missing out. Like I just absolutely geek over your knowledge. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm always here to help you. I don't know who you're doing your Dutch test with, but holler at your girl. Illy's actually doing fit and functional next month. So maybe you should do it with her. I know. I saw she's doing, I was like, hmm. actually I was going to, um, I was going to, I was looking, you know, Dr. Uh, Hallie Haley. Yeah. I love I her. She does it. Um, like just into, she does like just the test, but I was like, oh, maybe yeah. I need someone to actually like interpret it and whatever. So yeah. But anyways, I was going to ask about the Dutch test. So with the Dutch test, how often do you recommend, let's say someone has like a lot of hormonal imbalances and issues, how often would you recommend them to get the Dutch test just to kind of see a pre and post? And then if someone, let's say, doesn't have as many hormonal imbalances and they're just kind of, you know, they're coasting, they're good. Would you recommend it like annually, like lab work or how often do you recommend Dutch testing? Yeah. So, I mean, my approach is a little bit different from other practitioners, Um, so I actually don't do Dutch testing in the first six months anymore, because first of all, I was finding that six months is not enough time and it gives not kind of like a, like a false expectation, I guess that everything's going to be good in six months, which you and I both know it takes a lot longer than that. The majority of the time, but I run in fit and functional, we run the HTMA, which is the heritage mineral analysis. It looks at all the minerals. Um, and heavy metals tells us a lot about our adrenals, tells us a lot about our metabolism and our thyroid function at a cellular level. And then we run the GI map because, you know, hormone imbalances, while they can give you a lot of information, they can validate their, like the Dutch test is very validating for a lot of women. Um, it can show us, you know, how your liver pathways are functioning and all those types of things, but hormone balances aren't root cause, right? Something else is causing those hormones to be imbalanced, whether it's high estrogen or high testosterone or low testosterone, um, something else is driving that. And so 
I always kind of look at more of the root cause stuff first. Like, you know, do you have gut infections? Do you, are you not absorbing your nutrients? Is your pancreas not secreting digestive enzymes? Is your, do you have dysbiosis? Like why, what is going on that you're not a absorbing your nutrients? And this is something I always tell women who are like, I eat clean and I still don't. It's like, well, it doesn't mean you're absorbing the nutrients you're eating. Um, So we always look at gut function first. And then, like I said, minerals, because a lot of people overlook minerals and they just go to nutrients, but minerals are going to, again, influence how our thyroid works, how our adrenals are coping with stress, um, you know, how our metabolism is working, how we're processing food and all that type of stuff. So that's what I do first. And then the Dutch test they can do in the, uh, alumni program so that, okay, we've, you know, healed the gut we've balanced your minerals or we're balancing your minerals. Now let's kind of take it one step further with hormones. Um, because again, at the end of the day, if you find out you're not ovulating, well, you still have to kind of reverse engineer and, um, figure out why you're not ovulating first, if that makes sense. So with a Dutch test specifically, I would say once every one to two years is probably fine. Once you have a good solid baseline, but I do always recommend, like I said, getting those more foundational labs in. So you can actually understand the reason why your hormones might be imbalanced in the first place. Okay. So, so you do HTMA hair tissue mineral analysis first. Yeah. And then, and we do the GI map at the same time. Cause again, if like, for example, if someone has H pylori, they're not, they're most likely not absorbing their nutrients because their stomach acid is low. So I could put them on a mineral protocol, but they might not be absorbing those minerals anyways. Right. So we always kind of want to see what's underlying, fix that kind of dysfunction so that all the supplements we take afterwards aren't just for nothing. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. That makes, okay. That's, that's okay. I'm probably not going to do it then next. I'll probably wait to do it or I'll just join <laughs> functional. I'll probably just join fit and functional. Let's be honest. Um, then the whole gang's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we talked about like j- just generally. So if people are listening and they're like, okay, well, I want it. I want like a basic way to, I'm, I'm not ready to kind of invest or like, I'm just, I just want to start supporting my hormones the best I can with what I have how can someone kind of live their best life? Like, how do you live your best life? I know we talked about um, blood sugar regulation. We talked about eating, you know, not drinking coffee on an empty stomach, making sure you're eating food regularly. You're not intermittent fasting, things like that, just to support your hormones. What are some of your other favorite ways or tools to support hormones? Yeah. So again, I always kind of think back to like, what was, what was my grandmother doing? Right. My, my grandma wasn't, my Nona wasn't eating like beyond meat burgers in Sicily. Like that's for damn sure. So what was my grandmother doing? Right. She was getting adequate sunlight. She wasn't, um, spreading like toxic chemicals all over her body. She was eating whole foods. She was drinking water. That's probably a lot purer than the water we drink now. Right. So Aside from, again, balancing your blood sugar and all those things we talked about, I would say reducing your toxic load in terms of your beauty products, um, your cleaning products, all those types of things. Of course, our skin is our biggest organ. Anything you put on your skin is going to get absorbed. Um, So I say that for sure. Clean water. Um, It is crazy like what fluoride can do, especially if you're dealing with acne and stuff like that. Fluoride can really, really, um, have a bad impact on skin and, um, you know, neural health and all those types of things. So I would say 
get a really good water filter. Um, what do, do you have one that you recommend that you really like? I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say on recording because my mind always changes because people <laughs> always do these tests and then they're like, Oh, actually this one's shit. <laughs> Damn it. I have like a, a water filter graveyard. My oh basement. my God. That's so, so I'm still trying to figure out what well, water filter. What I, use. I use a Brita. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe we know that one's not good. So. Yeah. We know that one's uh, not No, you know what? I, I used the Berkey before and then I heard that was, um, not pulling out heavy metals. And then I was, I'm using the Santivia right now, but one of my clients actually, I love my clients. They're all so proactive. One of my clients bought like a water filter tester and tested her Santivia and it was basically the same as top router. I was like, Oh shit. Oh my um, and gosh. I know. And then I've heard good things about the aqua true, but then I also saw that literally last week that the aqua true apparently isn't very good. And I'm like, why, why do we live in a world of lies? <laughs> I don't Crazy. know. Oh my gosh. No, I know. So I love having uh, some of my patients are just I love when patients like resonate with you or like or for you clients that resonate with you. Like I have this really cute couple, they're in their eighties and they are, they're plant-based, like they're full vegan, but like just the way that they take care of themselves, like is very inspirational to me. And always just sharing different tips and tricks and like their eighties and they have like a very active sex. Like, like they come to me to improve their orgasm. They're literally in their eighties. They have sex every single day and he will send me all these things. He's like, you need to get a reverse osmosis filter in your water. Like he'll send me all these things. And I'm just like, that's so cute that you just, you know, you care. I think he, yeah. Eco, eco pure or something. I don't know. I have to look more into it too, but no, I just figured I would ask. Cause I, I, but that's so interesting. It's so true. Why are we, why are we living in a world full of lives <laughs> to be, uh, to be determined? So I don't know if anyone has a good water filter, let me know. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Let us know. Um, uh, okay. So reducing like toxin load, and that means like you said, like skincare, actually, you know, one time I asked, I messaged Jen and I was like, what do you, what products do you use? She was like, girl, I use tallow and honey. Like I'm the wrong person to ask. Literally. Yeah. You're like, what do you think of retinol? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I literally put butter on my face. I love the honesty. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that, that, that was a big thing for me too. Like growing up in a house, honestly, my mom was very Eastern medicine, which is why I think I really gravitate towards that kind of medicine too. But I did grow up with like, you know, Windex and Clorox and, um, the typical like bounty laundry detergent, all those things. And mm-hmm. then all the perfumes, like I'm, I'm, my family's Latin. So they're really big on perfume. So I always <laughs> kind of grew up in that world where we use lots of beauty products, lots of hair products. And I, I must say though, like cutting back was way easier, like than I thought it was going to be like, I just And I didn't overwhelm myself with it. Like I would just, when I would finish a product or if it was like a super cheap product, I would just, you know, I would just throw it out. Like once I was done with it, I would throw it out and then I wouldn't buy it again. And then I just started kind of gravitating towards more holistic products or just less, like less is really so much more. And that's what I've been learning on this journey is that I don't need 10 different hair products. Like all I literally need is like argan oil. (laughs) Like that's it. Yeah. 
Yeah, no. Yeah. And that's, that's like an important point too, is like not to overwhelm yourself because when you start kind of diving into like how toxic so many things are, yeah, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. Oh my God, I have to like burn my whole house down and start fresh. But it is like you said, like when you run out of something, just replace it with something a little cleaner. Right. And, um, I would say just replace the things that you're using every single day. Like if you're using body lotion that is like full of perfumes and fragrances. Yeah. Maybe switch that out now, but something like Windex, for example, unless you're cleaning your windows every single day, which I'm for sure not, um, wait till it's run out. Right. And then, and swap for something, swap for something cleaner. So that's really important. I think like good air quality is important. I know that's hard, um, because we can't do a whole lot. I mean, you can get like an air filter, but like I said, if you're living, like, for example, in my neighborhood, it drives me crazy, but they did all the like herbicides the other day. And I'm like, okay, there's signs out saying that on this day, they're spraying all the parks yeah. with herbicides. So I'm going to not open my windows for a week, right. To make sure it's not just coming into my house. Right. So things like that, um, you know, sunlight is huge. I'm actually on a sun, uh, sunglasses detox right now, trying to cure my eyes, but that's a podcast for another time. Yeah, you, <laughs> but you, you actually influenced me. I, I sent Jen a video of me trying to like, look at the sun. I was like crying. <laughs> I'm like, don't look right at it. <laughs> I'm literally looking right at it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, like sunlight, direct sunlight. is so important. I get crucified anytime I talk about, you know, chemicals and sunscreen as well. But obviously, you know, I'm not your mom practice sun safe sun exposure. Don't go and burn yourself to a crisp, but you know, getting sunlight in the early morning or in the evenings when the sun's not so, you know, strong, um, getting that direct sunlight on your skin, reducing blue light is a big one too. I learned the other day that your skin has blue light receptors. Someone posted like, Oh, your blue light glasses are doing nothing. I'm like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. All these like relevations are coming up. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. It's a never ending journey. I feel like I know so much about health, but the more I know, the stupider I feel. Yeah. No, it's, it's so true. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like just go back to the basics. Like, like you said, think of like what your, what your grandparents were doing, like how they were living, like go back to the basics and you'll live like a very happy, fulfilled life. You just, you just don't need much to be happy. You just don't. Yeah, hundred percent. And you need to do all those things before you reach for like the hormone balancing supplements. Like you can't out supplement, yeah. you know, a bad diet, you know, a sh- shitty relationships, not getting sunlight, sitting on your computer all day. Like you can't out supplement that. So there's so many things. And for, like you said, like people on a budget, there's so many free things you can be doing to optimizing your, to optimize your health without spending a dime or very close to it. Well, Jen, this was so fun. <laughs> I'm really happy that we did this. Um, you mentioned, you know, I know you said that your your next fit and functional starting, I think you said October 3rd. Or yes. October, October 3rd. Well, yes. Yeah, so just tell us a little like snippet about what, if someone wants to sign up, what to expect, um, where to find you at. I know you're very, very active on Instagram. Um, yeah. Just tell us, tell us where to find you. 
Yeah. So my Instagram is life as Jen with two N's. Um, I post, I mean, as you know, Serena, I post so much educational content. So again, you could probably change your life for free with all the stuff I post. Um, but with fit and functional, so it's a six month program. Like I said, we run the GI map and the HTMA test. Um, we really do a deep dive into what's actually going on inside the body. Um, so that we can obviously, you know, help you overcome your symptoms and, and heal. Um, and again, it really doesn't even matter. I I get questions all the time. Like, Oh, do you, you know, work with women with acne or do you work with women with ovarian cysts again? Let, let's not like slap labels on everything because at the root of it is metabolic dysfunction. And whether you have acne or, you know, you're struggling with your fertility or your period, we are going to be doing all the foundational things to help, um, help rebuild those back up. So, um, yeah, we focus on fitness, food, lifestyle labs, uh, lots of education. If you know me, I love to teach clearly. Um, and so you have my whole course with like over 15 hours of modules on all this kind of stuff. So that's kind of the gist of it. But like I said, you can find a lot more on Instagram. And if there's ever any questions, you can just send me a message and we can chat. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. And we'll have to do, I honestly, with every person that I have on my podcast, I'm like, we have to do a part two because I just know I could pick your brain in like so many more ways. Like we didn't even talk about like adrenal fatigue or like, you know, all the things that you love to talk about thyroid health. So one day for sure we'll do, Yes. but this is amazing. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.